Let me say this, let me say this. I got no problem with that, none, none. In case anybody, I don't know the difference between a club clap and a church clap, except what comes from your heart. If you got club motives on it, then that's a problem. But we clap on Sunday just like we clap on Saturday. So I don't have no problem with that. In the middle of it, keep on. Keep on. Keep on clapping. Keep on. Keep on. I don't have no problem with that. It's what's in you that brings it out. What's in you. We, we, we love the Lord up in here. Yeah. Yeah. We love the Lord up here. I mean, we got... A lot of incidents that could be, uh, some might call questionable, but it's your motives that bring it together. So I applaud the creativity that brings that in place. Thank you for that. I guarantee you there's a generation under 30 that loved it. Well, well all I'm saying is we're missing a generation. We're not talking to a generation. The church isn't talking to a generation. The church is missing folk. And we're saying it's okay. That the devil can have all he wants out there. He can do whatever he wants to do with them. And if they turn to that, that's okay. We're not even fighting. We're not even trying to get to them. And I'm not saying we got to use the same tactics or the same instruments. All I'm saying is we at least got to get their attention. We got to talk to them and teach them how to do what the Lord would have us to do, and if using that instrument is, is it, then okay, that's fine. In the middle of it. Amen. Amen. I thought that bear, I, I should say that because there'd be some who walk out here saying something because we did the electric slide or whatever. What was the name of it? <laughs> that ain't the electric slide. The cha-cha. See, I don't even know. I mean, yeah. Let me tell you why I say this. I went on a mission trip with some kids. A mission trip. We were having a great time. We had been there for a week. And we had a young minister with us who I think was confused on, on how you really reach somebody. The kids were out dancing around with some, we were at a, a, a domiciliary, a home for challenged individuals. We had been there working all week. And at one point in the week, we went into the cafeteria to eat dinner, and then afterwards, they put on some music. And the residents got up and started dancing, and dancing around and playing around. And our kids naturally got up and started doing the same thing with them. But the minister wouldn't engage in it. And I never understood why. And he finally told me that the reason is he thought by getting up dancing with them, um, he would draw them away from the Lord. And I just have consistently thought that was wrong. I'm like, well, what you showed them was you didn't know how to have no good time <laughs> yeah. at, that, at that point because you were the only one sitting down not doing anything. And I said, what they wanted to see you do is have a good time in serving the Lord. Fellowship. And so he missed that. And so in this instance, that's what I see. Sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we can be so heavenly focused that we're no earthly good. No earthly good. And I think that we can, we can do better sometimes. Uh, so that's why I say that. We've been preaching about some psalms, songs, interestingly. Preaching our way through the psalms this month. All the psalms are the songbook. 
of the Hebrew people of the Israelites, the various songwriters within the congregation would put pen to paper. And I guarantee you, if we heard them in the modern context of that time, none of us would be drawn to this. Not the modern context of that time. It would not appeal to our current senses to hear those songs in the meter and in the, in, the, in the tone that they sing it. It would not be appealing to us. It would not draw us. Um, but yet, that's what they did. And David was one of the more prolific ones who wrote, but he wasn't the only one. There were a whole lot of songwriters. We have endeavored to go through different psalms, psalms in the Bible to identify some lessons that we can learn. And we started out on um, the first Sunday with Psalm 51, preached about restore me, talked about David. David and that very special psalm. And then we moved on September 8th to uh, spiritual nearsightedness. And that was Psalm 73. And then we moved to what I consider a very special one in Psalm 4. We talked about the peace that we need in order to sleep and to rest and to rest in God. And that was from Psalm 4. That was now I lay me down to sleep. And then on the 22nd, we talked about Psalm number Psalm 41, and we preach from the topic, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Today we want to turn to the final one in this series, this Psalm 103. 103. It's a long psalm. If you never looked at it before, it bears looking at it. But it's a very powerful one. And I can tell you, if you've never heard me before in all these many years that I've been here, identify to you what I think my favorite passage of Scripture is. It comes from 103. You'll often hear me quote part of that or speak about it. Today I want to talk about verses 1 through 5 of Psalm 103. But in reality, my favorite passage it comes from verses 8 through 14. 8 through 14. 14, I just want to read it to you. And maybe in hearing it, you'll understand why I like it so much. I love the fact, and maybe it's because of my background, that God is not a respecter of people. That God doesn't have big eyes and little U's. And maybe you've not experienced that in your life. If you come from a place where you think... Um, you and your family were the most respected in the community, or y'all had a name that could be reckoned with, or, you know, you know, I'm a such and such, and that means something in this community. But everybody didn't come from that. And some of us came up trying to make sure we live with good character, and that our name gets respect, and making sure we don't bring negativity to our own family's name. That's me. That's me. I haven't always been successful in it, but I've been striving to do that. And this passage, in my opinion, speaks to that. The psalmist was very clear when he wrote, David wrote, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and he is plenteous in mercy. 
he will not always chide. Neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And then the two verses that I really, really love. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, and he remembereth that we are dust. He remembers that. That has empowered me to go into a whole lot of places that might seem heady at some point, where folk are all puffed up by what, who they are and what they do and what they're able to do. While I might otherwise have been intimidated, I can simply say to myself while I'm standing there, Andre, God remembers that we're just dust. No matter what we put on ourselves, no matter the names and titles and positions we claim, in the end, we're all just, just us. Just us. Yeah, that's perspective enhancing, especially in the, in, in the realm of politics. Yeah. It's a blessing. We thank God for you being here today. The first five verses of this passage are helpful to us because I don't know that we are grateful enough for what God has done for us. I, I'm willing to step out on a, on a limb and say we're not. I say as a whole, we're some ungrateful folk. Oh yeah, oh no, we're grateful in degrees, but some things we take for granted. Some, some things we just get up and expect that God gonna do all the time. Yeah. And, 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 and in fact, if the tables were turned and we were the ones giving the blessing and nobody ever turned us around, turned around and said, thank you for what we do, we would probably feel some kind of way. And God provides so many blessings for us on a regular basis that we just expected to be there. We just expect him to wake us up every morning. So much so that we'll get up and skip on our way. We'll wake up fussing at somebody before we even turn around and say, thank you, Lord for blessing me with another new day. Now, 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 don't get upset with me today if I identify some shortcoming you might have. Just pray and ask the Lord to strengthen you not to keep doing that anymore. But the truth of the matter is, we ought to get up falling down on our knees, thanking the Lord for blessing us with another opportunity, a fresh opportunity. Not only has he gotten us up, he got us up generally in our right mind. Didn't scramble our brain while we were asleep at night. Everybody wasn't so fortunate. Some folk went to bed last night and didn't wake up this morning. They didn't, but we take that for granted. Why? Because we expect. 
that the Lord is just going to give us another day. In fact, some folk keep making plans for 10 years down the road. And that, there's nothing wrong with planning, but you better be thankful for today if you expect the Lord to continue to bless you. There's a song that uh, we learned when we were growing. Um, one of those hymns, you know those hymns that we forget about. You know the words to it. I hope some of you know the words to it. And if not, there's a generation that needs to know these words because they're still relevant. The words might be different. But the writer wrote, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy? you are called to bear. Count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly, and you will be seen as the days go by. When you look at others with their lands and gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings that money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven nor your home on high. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. Why? Because God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend, help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. Have you ever just done it? Just sat down and tried to enumerate everything that God has done for you. I challenge you to do it. I dare you to do it. I dare you. You won't sleep that night, I guarantee you, not if you do it right. In fact, it's going to be a blessing that you got the attention span to sit there and do the activity that I'm asking you to do. Because if he doesn't do it for you, you can't do it by yourself. And so I want to ask you, I just want to go and tell you a couple of things that you need to bear in mind. And this, 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 uh, Psalm teaches us how to do it. Look at this. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction, who crowneth me with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies my mouth with what? With good things, so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. O oh my soul, bless the Lord. Sometimes we forget that it's a daily blessing from the Lord that keeps us, that keeps us going. Some of us have more stock, if I'll be honest with you. We got more confidence in Social Security. 
than the law. Than the law. But you understand that the blessings of the Lord are deeper than just material blessings. Oh, yeah. You can have all the material blessings in the world, but there are some things that are much more valuable than material blessings. And we need them, like, like peace of mind. Peace of mind. You can have all the money in the world and not have peace of mind. Anybody that ever had a wayward child knows that. Yeah, you can be sitting in the finest house with all the finest things in it, but you can't go to sleep at night because your child out in the street. You ain't heard from them in a while. You don't know, and all you're asking is for, Lord, give me a sign that everything is all right. Just something. Let them, let them text me. We, we got, you, know, you don't even have to have a bad child. You just might need to have a child who doesn't communicate effectively with you. You start looking for signs that you'll know they're all right. That's what we use social media for. All of us stalkers on social media, we start going to the different pages they got to see if they posted anything. Oh, okay, they must be okay. I see they just put something on Instagram about 20 minutes ago. And that'll give you peace of mind. I'm trying to tell you. If you got young kids, it's coming. It's coming. We used to say to Brittany all the time, when you get to UNA, she leaves Birmingham in a car by herself, going to UNA, it was almost dark when she left. Now that makes a difference to a parent, because driving at night is harder than driving during the day. It was almost dark when she left. We said, when you get there, just call us and let us know you got there. Yeah, now we know it takes two hours to get there. We've driven it before. We know no matter what you do, you can even stop at McDonald's on the way. It's going to still take about two hours to get there. So we'll wait three hours before we call. You make it? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Not understanding what anxiety those three hours have had for us. Peace of mind means something. We have called around to every friend in our contact list looking for them before because they wouldn't pick up the phone and say, I'm all right. And did we care that we were aggravating them or getting their friends out the bed? We didn't because peace of mind means something. Yeah, we got them. Have you seen Brittany? No. Have you seen? Yeah, I saw her earlier today. Can you go see if she? Yeah, I'll go. Now, if that means she got some issues from her friends, that's her business. <laughs> Call your folk. And then we won't be stalking you like that. We gave you the phone anyway. I'm sitting here paying for a phone. You won't even call me on. Peace of mind. I mean, I didn't digress a little bit now. Peace of mind means something. So if I can get that upset about things, imagine how the Lord could be. Imagine how he could be simply because we don't turn around and say, thank you, Lord. Show him. I know you say he knows everything. That's true, but we don't. He knows everything, and he still wants you to engage with him. So the first thing you need to remember, if you belong to him, 
And I'm not going to ask you by a, by a show of hands how many of you are his, how many of you believe you're safe in salvation. I'm not going to ask you that. But if you fit that category and you're safe in his arms, in the safety of salvation, then you should never, ever forget that he forgave you. Don't forget his forgiveness of your sins. Don't ever take for granted that you earned your way or you earning your way into heaven because it doesn't work that way. No, no. The only reason you have salvation is because he has forgiven us. And he paid, he paid the highest cost he could in order to secure our salvation. He gave, the scripture tells us clearly, his only begotten son so that you and I could have a right to eternal life. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Who for, who, and forget not, not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. All your sins. All right? And how do we know it? Because scripture, Richard continues to validate that what he did was forgive all of our sins, Matthew 26 and 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many, for the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1 and 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God, richness of God's grace. Not far from New York, there is a cemetery, a lot of cemeteries. If you've ever been to New York, you can see them. It's a strange sight. You just see acres and acres of cemeteries when you're driving in New York. But in one of those cemeteries, perched on a little hill, there is one headstone. It doesn't have one of those fancy epitaphs on it. All it has etched on it is one word. And it's the one that could be on each believer of Jesus Christ. It simply says, forgiven. Just forgiven. That's all. Don't care what your name is. Don't care where you came from. The dates don't matter. Just forgiven. You and I ought to know that that ought to be our mantra. We get up every day, we ought to say, thank you, Lord, because you forgave me from all my unrighteousness. Now, that's the greatest thing you're going to ever get from Jesus Christ. This is not where you live. It's not what you got. Forgiveness, salvation is the greatest thing. But even beyond that, you ought to thank him every day and get up thanking him for his healing. Oh, don't forget that he's healed you. Now some folks say, look, 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 verse 2 says, praise the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives my sins and heals your diseases. How many of you acknowledge that you've been healed? Raise your hand. Yeah. See, y'all talking spiritually. And you're right. You've been healed of that disease because he healed you spiritually when he for, forgave you. All right? But I'm talking about some folk in here who know he'll heal your body, too. It's some folk in here who can testify that on any given day, uh, an ache or a pain will show up in your life. And you don't know where it came from or what to do with it. And yet you know without a doubt it was nobody but the Lord who took care of you and took it away from you. The doctor said they didn't know, they didn't understand, and you took it and, and gave it to the Lord. Let me tell you something. We laugh at things we don't understand, and we make mockery of things we don't understand, but they might teach us 
some, some disciplines of faith we don't understand until later in life. When I was growing up, there was a late night TV show that was called Reverend Ike. <laughs> How many of y'all remember that? I know y'all do, because there wasn't much else on TV at that time. It wasn't like we had all those channels on. Yeah, and then there was always more public than Reverend Ike. There was always the Oral Roberts Crusades. Yeah, and, and, and people used to hear these preachers say, come and if you're aching somewhere, take it and lay it on the, lay it on the TV. <laughs> oh, that's what they used to say. And I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to pray for healing. That healing would come to you. And people would do it. Y'all don't know this. Folk laughing. But if you walked in some of them living rooms and saw some of them bunny ears pushed down because folk were laying on there, laying on the TV. Yeah, that's why them bunny ears on the TV were laying back. Because mama done laid her arm on there because her arm been hurting. She didn't have no medicine or nothing to put on there. But what mama was doing was taking it to the Lord, not Oral Roberts. She learned to take the ache and the pain and say, Lord, see, at the time, we, couldn't, we didn't call everything arthritis the way we do now. They said they didn't know what it was. And he said, now, heal it, Lord. And guess what? He would. He would. He could take that pain away from folk. He could heal you. Don't lose sight of the fact that part of his character is a healer. Not just your soul, but your body as well can be healed by the Lord. He can take care of you. Now this might not mean anything to you, but some people grew up in a time when they had certain maladies or afflictions that there were no apparent remedies for. One young man talked about the fact that when he came, his problem was that he had, we used to call it, he had an eye problem, a vision problem. We used to call it a lazy eye. He had a weak eye. Now that might not mean anything to you unless you were in school. And every day you go, somebody got something to say about your eye that you can't do anything about, all right? The doctors didn't know how to treat it like they do now. And he had to go and deal with that. So, of course, when Reverend Ike came on, guess what he was doing? He's praying that the Lord would heal him physically, not his soul. Please heal my vision, Lord, my eye, so that I'm not, one, in pain or struggling, and two, be ridiculed. Who wants to go through that every day? Every physical problem isn't apparent to everyone around you. And yet you need some healing. And I came to tell you today, don't forget, according to the psalmist, that he is a healer. Now, of course, we know that our sins are healed because of our hearing. But if you can't hear, yeah, if you have a, if you have a hearing problem, then you struggle. The Bible says 10 and 17, Romans says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word by the word of God. We always quote 1 Peter 2 and 24 when we say, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to, to sins and live for righteousness and by his wounds, by his stripes, 
you and I have been, have been healed. Don't forget the fact that not only does he forgive us, but he also heals us, our soul and our body. And then look at this. Don't forget that he's redeemed you. Yeah, I am redeemed, songwriter said, bought with a price. Jesus has saved my whole life. If anybody asks you just who I am, you tell them I am redeemed. Verse 4 says, he redeems your life from the pit. From the pit. Some of us will say this doesn't apply to me. And the reason you think it doesn't apply to you is because you don't consider what you were doing pit living. Oh, yeah. You, you, you think the pit is just when Joseph got thrown in the pit, if you know the Bible, when his brothers sold him into slavery and they put him in the pit. Well, can I tell you, Joseph wasn't doing nothing wrong, and yet he found himself in pit living. All right? Some of us have been doing wrong, and we are in pit living because we want to be. Yeah, we might. Let's change the word from pit living today. Let's call it trap living. Oh, y'all know that term. Yeah, yeah, you living like that because you want to live like that because you bring the stuff from trap living into your life. In fact, we even try to pretty up trap living. Yeah, I saw this, this I was scrolling through uh, one of the social media accounts and I saw this beautiful young lady, beautiful young lady at one of the historically black colleges. She was standing there, she was, somebody apparently had made her up so gorgeously, and the caption she had on there was beautiful and nasty. Wow. Who wants that in their life? Why would you put that out there for your employer to see that? Beautiful and nasty. Now, come on now, we have made it so acceptable that you can be on the edge in living. Yeah, you know we want a rough neck. I don't know what that means. Because apparently I ain't never been no rough neck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got a smooth one. I, I do know what it means. I do know what it means. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's, the kind of, it's the kind of silliness where a young lady wants to have a dude that's got a PhD, but he a thug. Yeah, Dr. Thug. Yeah, but it works the other way, too. Yeah, that's called pit living. That's called pit living. That's, Lord, give me all these benefits, and I'm going to do with them like I want. I'm not going to use them for your glory. No, no. I'm going to be a little thug if I want to. I can have all the raunchy parties, all the everything I want. But I love you, Lord. We choose to live in the pit. We think we can do whatever we want with the blessings that God has given us. And I came to tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You have to use what he's blessed you with for his glory. You have to use it to benefit kingdom. You have to use it to elevate somebody else, to educate somebody else. It's not just for you that you got it. Why would he give you something just for you to use? If he gives you an orange, you ever wonder why an orange is divided into so many slices? Yeah, it was a fruit that's designed for sharing. That's God. 
That's God. He expects you to peel something off and give it to somebody else. Yeah, if you get one of the slices, you're doing good. And that's how he does with the rest of our blessings. He gives them to us so that you and I can share with somebody else. And he expects us to take a seed and plant it so somebody else can get some of it as well. That's what he wants us to do. And yet, we are as selfish as we can be with what God wants. And that, my friend, you may not be physically in a pit, but that is pit living. When you take what God has given you and you selfishly keep it for yourself, that is pit living. Stop doing that to what God has blessed you with. Be thankful, be grateful. And the best way you can show your gratitude and your thankfulness is by sharing with somebody else. So don't forget that he redeemed you. He redeemed you from the pit. Just like they got Joseph out of that pit. Now look, 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 this is important. Just because you get redeemed from the pit don't mean you won't go through other stuff. But it also doesn't mean you can't keep living righteously when you go through that other stuff. That's the story of Joseph. Joseph was consistent in how he served the Lord, no matter his circumstances. Whether he was in pit, in jail, no matter where he was, he was the best version of Joseph that he could be. And I came to tell you, that's how we ought to live as well. Be the best version of you you can be, no matter your circumstance. Hard times may come. Tough situations may develop. But your righteousness will be God-honoring and he will bless you through those circumstances. So he forgave us. He heals us. He redeems us. And guess what? Because he's done all these things for us, you and I, and I want to ask you to put a little swag on with this now, you and I have a right to a crown. We have a right to a crown. And some of us know he's a king, but we don't act like we're children of the king. We don't live like we expect a crown. No, no, no. Some of us live like the court jester. There's a difference in acting fool and being the son of the king. Because guess what? When you start acting like or the daughter of a king, when you start living like a prince or a princess, then people treat you a certain way. Oh yeah, people treat you a certain way. They, they give you the respect you're afforded based on your relationship. But in order to do that, you have to announce that you are, you have to let folk know that that's my dad up there, that's my father. He is my father. I'm the child of a king. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. They make too many of these movies these days, these days where they, they got the, the prince, you know, coming to America was one of them back in the day, but they make too many of them where the prince keeps trying to hide the fact that he's a prince. That's a, that's a cottage industry in making those movies. He wants to be accepted as the enemy, and I get it. He doesn't want somebody to love him just because he's the child of the king. The truth of the matter, though, in every one of those movies, whenever she finds out he's a king, she flips. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, you are a prince. <laughs> People treat you differently when they know that you're a child of the king. And it just so happens that ours is a king of righteousness. 
He's the king of righteousness, which means as a prince, you ought to be a prince of righteousness. You ought to be living the right way, showing the right thing to do. And guess what? That is attractive to somebody. People will come to you for that. People will want to be a part of your life based on that. Being righteous is important. So don't forget your crown. Look, verse 4 says, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion and who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So my question to you is, have you been crowned by the Lord with love and compassion? And, and does it show in your life that you are walking and witnessing as one who loves and is compassionate toward people because that's the crown you have. You have to let it show. Once a month at, uh, and it all comes down to your attitude. The attitude, because let me tell you, if you're a child of the, of the king, you are a prince. You are. But can, can I tell you, there are two boys who lived in the house, the Bible said, Two boys lived in a house with their father who was the king and all they could see him for was for his material wealth. Neither understood who he really was. One got tired of the rules that he established in his life and so he decide, decided he was going to leave. He chose to take the bit he could get and go live in the pit. He chose to do that. In fact, even after he realized that his own, his own choices had been wrong, he was too prideful to come out of the tent, I mean the pit, until the very end. And then there was one who fooled not anybody but himself. He stayed there resentful of what the father was doing. Resentful that the father would bless other folk who hadn't been as righteous, who hadn't been as faithful in his opinion. And so he stayed there. Both of them had bad attitudes. Both of them did wrong. One just left and the other stayed. Your attitude makes the difference, even down to the little thing. Near here, there's a nursing home. And on Fridays, the folk at the nursing home always bless the residents by having pizza ordered in. It's a diversion from the normal diet. And one day, a visitor was paying attention to them as they delivered the pizza. And one of the members of the facility looked at the pizzas as they were coming in and he said, is that all we get for lunch today? <laughs> Turning his nose up. But on the other side of the room, there was another gentleman who said, who said very loudly, this is all I want for lunch today. How you look at a blessing, the same blessing makes a difference. You got to know that God means only good for you. How you receive it makes all the difference in the world. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Have you blessed him lately? Have you blessed him lately? You can bless him not just with a tithe and offering. You can bless him with the fruit of your lips. You can bless him with the fruit of your activities and your righteousness. I'm going to tell you today that God has already done the best he could ever do for us by giving us his son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, he's given you enough to bless him, to count your blessing. 
He's forgiven you. He's healed you. He's promised us a crown. He's redeemed us. How do you see it? And do you know that he's given you every single thing you could ever want? Let me show you how one writer said. He said, today upon a bus, I saw a lovely maid with golden hair. I envied her. She seemed so happy. And how? I wished I were so fair. When suddenly she rose to leave, I saw her hobble down the aisle. She had one foot and had a crutch. But as she passed, a smile. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two feet. The world is mine. And when I stopped to buy some sweets, the lad who served me had such charm. He seemed to radiate good cheer. His manner was so kind and warm. I said, it's nice to deal with you. Such courtesy I seldom find. He turned and said, oh, thank you, sir. And then I saw that he was blind. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two eyes. The world is mine. Then when walking down the street, I saw a child with eyes of blue. He stood and watched the others play. It seemed he knew not what to do. I stopped a moment, then I said, why don't you join the others, dear? He looked ahead without a word, and then I knew he could not hear. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I have two ears, the world is mine. With feet to take me where I go, with eyes to see the sunsets glow, with ears to hear what I would know, I am blessed indeed. The world is mine. God forgive me when I whine. Stop whining. Stop being ungrateful for what the Lord has blessed us with. The Bible says when we were without sin, Christ died for us at a point in time that we couldn't do anything about our relationship with the Lord, he sent his only begotten son to redeem us, to save us. And he didn't send him on no easy mission. He sent him down here where he was going to be disrespected by earthly standards. He was going to be rejected by men throughout his entire life. And yet Jesus came and for 33 years, he provided an example for us of righteous living. And then he died a death on a cross that was not his, but ours. God has done all that we need to have done. But God blessed his son. And that three days after his life was taken from him, three days after his life on that cross was taken, he resurrected him. And now that same Jesus sits on high. He's waiting for you and me to simply accept the gift of salvation he's given. Have you done that? Do you know that he's yours? Do you know that he waits for you? He woke up this morning with you on his mind. He woke up this morning waiting to see if you would come to him. Today is the day. If you've never accepted his gift of salvation, then I invite you to come. If you've never been baptized, we'll do it here. Baptism is simply an expression that you've accepted Jesus Christ 
as your Savior. If you had another church and decided that maybe I need another place where I can be my best version of me, then I invite you to try here. While the choir sings this song, doors of our church are wide open. Whosoever will, let him come. Come on, y'all. Come. Count your blessings. Just. Come on now. Come on now.